The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Welcome on in to the batting order beat, your one-stop shop for baseball content hosted by two people who happen to be living in the territory occupied by the kings of CONCACAF, LJ LaFure and Brandon Karam. Brandon, how you doing? LJ, the kings of CONCACAF, the United States. Uh, we are finally back with some content for you all. We are in the thick of things. We're past our first arbitrary deadline which is it's not very arbitrary i'd say it's significant not very arbitrary pretty significant deadline of memorial day we have moved our way into what i guess tomorrow right the june 21st will be the longest day of the year for us in the united states go outside enjoy that 15 and a half hours of daylight tomorrow uh, but we have baseball to talk about, and it has been a while. It's LJ, been a long time. I mean, look, title of this episode is Around the Horn, the league's best beats. Before we get into actual baseball talk, let's catch up for a minute. LJ, what have what have we been up to lately? What is what is cooking over there? Um, you know, I've been working at my internship. Uh, over with Car Hughes Productions quite a bit so far, helping out around the house, everything. It's been it's been a good summer. It's been a nice start to the summer, cranking things up. Certainly been reading a lot. Got on a huge uh, history kick. Oh, okay. Few what weeks. are we what what kind of history are we talking about here? American. American history. Very nice. Yeah, it's you know, I'm getting a bit a little bit of a bite of the civics bug and it's been it's been a fun, fun time. Brandon, how about yourself? LJ internship with Goldman Sachs has been going very well. Uh, dealing with a lot of fun stuff, at least in my field, which I try not to bore you guys with very much when we do record this podcast. But I will say things have been going well. And uh, LJ, it's nice to finally have time where both of us can just sit down for a good half hour or who knows how long and just chat about some baseball because wow, LJ, I mean, we have quite the season shaping up here. Uh, definitely not what anybody expected. All the contenders that we at least thought were going to be up there. You know, I don't even want to start with that. It's just look, you go and look at a standings page right now, LJ. There is a lot going on on the standings page compared to what what it was last year in my mind at this time. Oh, it's absolutely crazy, and it's better for the league. I think Brandon calls that deadline arbitrary. I feel like so much is told here, even though we drew the line. But we're we're in charge here, right? No, yeah, exactly. If like if like we want to draw a random line at any point in the season. I feel like us two are pretty qualified to do so, given our track record the last two seasons of nonstop daily coverage of the league. And I also feel like adding to that, this might just be a me thought process, but adding to the Memorial Day deadline, 
I was thinking about this the other day. At what point can you really feel comfortable firing a manager? Am I crazy to say once the calendar hits June, people are allowed to actually be on the hot seat? That like, is, I feel like that's a good spot to draw the line. Like, you don't want to go too far in. You know, it absolutely is. And it makes me now want to look at when did Philadelphia fire Joe Girardi last year? Um, and it looks like they only let him get about 51 games into the season. So uh, most teams are well over. I think every team now is over 70 games played total. So well within the range of we could start seeing some mid-season firings regarding managers. Uh, that is absolutely a good point. And not only that, LJ, when is it time to fully say, okay, time to panic, time to focus on what you're going to get at the trade deadline if you can stay afloat until then? Time um, really do a lot with, or, you know, really conclude a, a, a good amount of how your season has been going for your team. I mean, I think you can, as we've always said, the reason we drew the line at Memorial Day is because that's how you can tell how your season should go with a few outliers here or there. But generally that tells the story, the majority of the story of a season. With that being said, I don't think you can actually start looking at being sellers and having that fine of detail or even do any quality work towards it until the all-star break. Mm, okay. For one reason and one reason only, the draft. With the market changes so much once those that last year's crop of players gets added into the trade pool. You have to wait a year. You have to have these guys under contract for that full year before they can are eligible to be traded out of your organization. And so if you're, let's say... Uh, who do I want to pick here? If you're Chicago and you're looking to sell off some pieces. Chicago Cubs. White, White Sox. Sox. White I haven't Sox. given up yet. Haven't given up yet. We're still. I'm fighting strong. LJ sounds like me at the beginning of the season, me picking the White Sox to win the the AL Central. If we if we don't forget that that was my take. Um, yeah. he, some people just never learn. It's okay. But I'm going to go down swinging like I do every F1 race. And usually we'll end up, it'll always end up in disappointment, but I end up happy at some point in time rather than none of the time. So I'll take it. But either way, back on that point, if you're Chicago, the price that you're going to be able to get for a, I'm just spitting on anyone, let's say you want to co-complete rebuild, you go trade at Eloy Jimenez, somebody like that. The price you're going to get for them would be completely different after that market opens up because there's just so much more on the table for you to play with. So it's not almost not even worth trying to poke around for these deals until after that point. So that's where I kind of draw that line. But, you know, with managers, it's completely different with figuring out how your season should trend. It's completely different because you want to be able to draw those lines early enough that you can correct things. If you've got a bad manager in there, but you feel like you aren't ready to throw in the towel for the season, you got to make be proactive with that switch because what good's a new manager going to do with 60 games left? Very, very true. Are and we ready to get on into the actual topics here? But after some nice 
BSing? LJ, nice we, nonsense. we are the best at doing nonsense at talking BS. I, I love nonsense. Let's get into the actual topics, though. Brandon, now up to bat, who is the bigger surprise? Miami or Arizona? LJ, the bigger surprise in the National League is the Miami Marlins, and I'm going to tell you why. Right now they sit, what, yeah, 11 games over 500, 42 and 31. Uh, the offense, believe it or not, has only scored the 23rd most runs in the MLB and is 17th in OPS. And the pitching staff has been fairly average, but I'll tell you what. When it comes to close games, this team knows how to win them. And that's what I care about right now. Can you win the close games? Sure, the run differential is not the best. The general stats for your team, like I just said, your OPS, your run scored, your team ERA, is not a top 10, not a top 5 uh, team in those stats. However, they've got dogs, LJ. They have some dogs. They don't have cats. They got dogs. Dogs. None other than Luis Arias is hitting 400. The dude is hitting 400 on June 20th. Let's not just like skip over this and act like that this is not a big deal. I mean, holy crap, LJ. 400 hitter on June 20th. Jorge Soler has gotten back all of his power and can now get on base at an efficient clip. And those two in the top part of that lineup have been straight up awesome the whole year. Uh, You go to the pitching staff and it's like, yeah, you had to trade away Pablo Lopez. But who'd you get? You got Luis Arias in return. Sandy Alcantara is hovering around a 5 ERA right now. Nothing compared to what we saw him do last year where he was the yeah, the unanimous Cy Young in the National League. But how about the rest of the pitching staff? Jesus Lazardo almost at 100 strikeouts and only at 22 walks. Braxton Garrett has been shoving as of late. To some of the young guys that they've inserted into this rotation, Yuri Perez, who has debuted recently, has been on fire. I mean, look, LJ, you're getting back Jazz Chisholm and Gene Segura and Abasayo Garcia at some point, along with a bevy of pitchers. What isn't there to like about the Marlins right now, other than what some of their overall team total stats show? LJ, they're getting back all these guys from injury, and you have the hottest hitter on the planet right now it leading off for you every single night. I wouldn't even call it hottest because hot means that it's cooling. It could cool down. Like, you don't just cool down. Like, three months is not cooling and then falling – down below almost 300 plate appearances this is almost half of the season like coming back to earth after 300 plate appearances is not cooling down so therefore he's not the hottest he's the most transcendent contact man in the game right now and 
that's easy. I feel like we've got, again, we have enough sample size at this point to be able to say that and say that comfortably. What he's doing right now is amazing. I think at this point, correct me if I'm wrong, this is the best hitting or best contact performance we've seen this century, right? Has to be. Has to be, right? Like there's been no one else. I want to say we're talking about, didn't Nomar do something similar, got to mid-June in like 98 or 99? Let's let's look that up. You do some research talking. there as I'll talk talk this through here because I'm going to give my defense of the Diamondbacks being the biggest surprise. But first, I have to cut a little bit into the Miami conversation here, not to take away or discredit what they've done at all because this has been a great group to watch. But to me, this seems pretty – this is a pretty logical extension of what they had out there last year. Keep in mind here, we are talking about, you know, a pitching staff that is top half in the league. Even though the runs haven't come, everything else around this team statistically looks decent enough or solid or at least above 500. So imagine when those runs come, Brandon. You know, here you've got a top half on base team, a top 10 batting average team. You know, they're hitting the ball. They're just not scoring those runs. That has to turn around at some point, which will help them a lot going forward, but more so you look at them winning close games and everything you talked about there. Rewind to last year as the wheels were falling off of this team. What was one of the big blames that we had for this group? It was the fact that they were so bad in one run games. Like they had the exact opposite winning percentage air general areas last year and this year. It's a complete flip. Where does that come from? That comes from making some, you know, sizable moves here in the back end of this bullpen, putting this group together. You bring in AJ Puck, you bring in JT. I always forget how to say this name, but Chargoy. Is that it? I think it's JT Chargois. Chargois. Chargois, something like that. He's good though. Like, yeah, he's very good, and you still have a bunch of guys out on the IL. Matt Barnes comes in here. That's a guy with, you know, real experience. Anthony Bender. You've got now real guys who are both pitching well that you've had in your organization and guys you've brought in that have been or could be studs for your organization for at least this year. It seems like a very natural transition for Miami to be looking this good. On the other hand, let's talk about Arizona here because I feel like this is much more surprising to me because of looking at last year. Last year, when they had their big hot run, I believe that was the beginning of the season, right? For like a month and a half. It's always the beginning of the season with 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 Arizona. Where they were good like- for like a solid month and a half. And what that was, was their rotation was just knockout. Like, They had a lights-out front four, and they were just bowling over everybody with that for a little bit. They eventually came back down to earth, and things couldn't come around. Now we're talking about the exact opposite, which makes this so much less believable to me. 22nd in starter ERA, 17th in reliever ERA right now for this group. Where are they making it up? By being a clear top-five offensive team to start the season out. 
getting it this far in. It doesn't even feel like starting the season, but to this point, top five in the league when we're talking about offenses, that's special performances. This is a special performance we're seeing from their rookie here, Corbin Carroll. This is another great year and just continual improvement from Christian Walker here. 15 home runs here at this June 20th date. And the bigger surprise to me, as much as we've given this guy such a hard time, Cattell Marte has been great this year. He did it, LJ. He finally did it. He proved to everybody that he is not a, I don't even know what to call it. He will not have his only good season be the 2019 juice ball season. He did it. He can prove, guys, I can be good in 2023 without a juice ball. I can't wait to save this clip. I cannot wait to save this clip when he falls apart. This feels a little premature to be going that far. But either way, you know, this has been a tremendous start from him and this offense. It all shows. That's what I find so phenomenal about this team. So surprising because there was a clear path for Miami to be good. There wasn't here. Further on that note, actually, let's go over and look at the NL West standings because that's even less probable for them too to be this far ahead because of what had to happen for them to be here. First off, I thought the Rockies would be bad. I didn't think they'd be this pathetic. So there's one easy win, easier win than expected that they've gotten a break on. The Padres have been a hot mess. The Dodgers, the Dodgers, the wheels have fallen off the Dodgers here, and I'm not even necessarily sure that Roberts can uh, bring this back around this year. Like, you know the Yankees and Dodgers are in really bad shape when they're both like six games above 500 and both fan bases have thrown in the towel. And it's like, wait a minute, like, aren't you both in a playoff spot right now? It's like, yeah, but you're not watching every day. Like, you don't understand what's actually going on here. Like, it just there's there's no forward momentum with this group right now. You've got a team with the perfect mix of an ob- obscene obscene amount of injuries like hard to express how many team players are hurt in this organization and the controversy they've been mired in for the last several weeks just throws everything all the baseball out the window because you can't get solid momentum and solid you can't get your feet on solid ground outside of the the diamond you're not going to be able to play well in the diamond it just never works that way and so that's what this group's dealing with. The team that really should be rivaling or talent-wise, even with the injuries, probably leading this division is four and a half games out on this Diamondbacks team. So to have these pieces fall in the proper way, that all adds to how they've become such a surprise and also a little bit more of a pretender than Miami is. Well, LJ... How about we stick with the Arizona conversation and let's jump on to our big would you rather question, something that I was debating with a friend and I uh, a few or about a week ago and I figured why not bring it here onto the show? Um, LJ, would you like to take us through this? Now up to bat, Brandon, would you rather Julio Rodriguez, J-Rod, or Corbin Franklin Carroll. 
Corbin Franklin. Yes, that is not a typo. We have Corbin Franklin Carroll as LJ and I struggled to find a nickname for him. So we'll put his middle name in there. You know, it's what possible. is the bet? What is a podcast with LJ and I without having a very obscure, obscene nicknames for players? Uh, but yet, it was, I was posed this question by a friend the other day, and he said, Look, you're starting a franchise. It's a fantasy draft. It's come to you in the first, presumably first round. Uh, and oh, this your first round. Yeah. Your top two choices available available to you are Julio Rodriguez and Corbin Carroll. You get their contract as it is right now. So you get them as they are right now. Nothing changes. And it was, who were you picking there? And at first in my head, I was like, oh, that's so easy. And then I spent a little more time thinking about it. And I was like, wow, this is, this is very challenging. Um, to be fair, I was a little bit higher on Corbin Carroll heading into the season than LJ was. But we both were not expecting that this was what his rookie year was going to be. Um, for the sake of this question, I think I'm going to take Corbin Carroll here. And it's really tough. And I don't want to take Julio because the arguments that LJ is going to make for Julio are much better than the ones I have, to be quite frank. So I'll stick with Corbin Carroll. Uh, look, we're talking about the right now. What guy is going to help me win a title, win, you know, be successful in the future? I will take Corbin Carroll on this contract that he has. You're talking eight years, 111 million, goes through 2030 club option for 2031, which you're assuming the Diamondbacks are going to take. However, Assuming Corbin Carroll is able to stay at a level similar to this, which as of right now, LJ puts him at the second best odds to win National League MVP at only plus 500, plus 450 on some sites behind Ronald Acuna, who has shifted into the minus money territory to win MVP. The Corbin he has to get hurt territory. Yes, the he can regress a lot and still win MVP this year. Corbin Carroll has been flat out outstanding. He's 22 years old. He is arguably the fastest player in the league. Well on pace for a 30-30 season. 300 hitter, almost a 400 on base percentage. This is nothing against Julio Rodriguez. But I just love Corbin Carroll so much. And this might just be the wrong take here or whatever. And I don't really have much backing up my case here other than if we're talking the next few years, I don't have to pay Corbin Carroll a real salary until 2029 when he's making $28 million. 2028, he's making $14.6 million. You want me to build around a guy right now and give my best chance to win a World Series? I will take Corbin Carroll because of the contract. And I know 
LJ is going to bring up some stuff regarding Julio's contract. But Corbin Carroll doesn't get paid as much until a few years after Julio starts getting his pretty big portion of his salary. I'm going to take Corbin Carroll here just because I I love what he's doing offensively. I love the speed and the everything. He's just such a dynamic player. There's a reason he was favored for rookie of the year before the season. There's a reason this guy has been the number one prospect for so long. And he's finally showing it to us. And, and that's that. And I can't wait to hear LJ's argument against this because he definitely does have some fantastic points that he's about to bring up. But I just, I am in love with this guy. And I don't really think many people can talk me off of him. I, LJ, almost, and this might be crazy to you, especially because this might be your guy. Maybe this is a hot take, is very hot take. Don't go here. You don't want to go here. I know where you're going. I think. I don't think, stop. I think I want Corbin Carroll over Wander Franco right now. <clears throat> I think I do. And this is crazy land. Crazy, crazy land. But man, LJ, I think I might be sipping the Corbin Carroll juice. All right. Allow me to provide you a three-point thesis on why you're... Oh, right. he's got the 11th grade English class. Here's my thesis statement. Here's my argumentative essay. Here's my conclusion. Is is that what we're dealing with here? We're going to vibe a little bit off of the form, but I could provide that for you if you wish. Um To get back into the point, let's start on the field because I can you know clearly see Julio... It's been a bit of a slump here to start his second year. You know, you're talking about a 107 OPS plus kicking things off here after a top 10 MVP finish in his first year out the gate. That really kind of seals the deal for me in terms of my fears about Corbin Carroll because you're drafting a guy with a lot less of a sample size here, only 102 games. So you don't really truly know what he's going to be like in year two or three when he has to adjust once people really know him better and know how he plays better, you're going to have to figure more things out. He's going to be, it's going to be harder to work in years two and three as it is for everyone than it will be in year one. And so that I think is a massive issue I have with Corbin Carroll. Now let's move over to the financial side of things. You're talking about how you don't have to pay him a lot in the current, in the now. That's great. But all I care about is how much money I'm forking over in the end, in the long run, to keep this team good and to make the full value out of my asset. I'm going to need to pay Corbin Carroll, and I'm going to need to keep him here. And so if I'm shooting for upside, because obviously I don't want a bad team in this fantasy draft, you want to be that perennial title contender if you're drafting your own team out of all these players. If I'm going to do that, that means my first-round pick has to be great. And so Corbin Carroll would have to be great. So under his current contract, that's eight years with a ninth-year option, that ninth year would get him to age 31. Well within his athletic prime. Well within the range for him, as we've very clearly seen, as we've seen older players get large contracts just this past winter. 
Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge. Xander Bogarts. These are guys getting huge deals that are going to be older than him when he comes out. And you're talking about nine years more for salary inflation in this league, which I feel like has been going up rampantly over the last five years compared to in times past. It doesn't seem like it's going to be slowing down what these top guys are going to be getting paid. So he's going to be getting a lot more than he would have been getting if he was 31 now when he's 31 in nine years. So you've got a guy here who you're going to have to basically pay, you know, maybe twice what you're paying him or three times what you're paying him on this contract after this one's done. Whereas Julio Rodriguez, you're talking about, yes, 200 million. You're talking about about a hundred million more on the contract right now than Corbin Carroll has. But when he's said and done with this, you're talking about a 34, 35 year old. That's a lot different in terms of contractual terms and what you're going to have to commit to keep him with your organization after that point. Also, it could very well be justified at that point that you could move on from him at the end of that contract, a guy who's on, on the outside of his prime. You don't do that to your top player, or your franchise player, either way. I don't, I don't believe in, but it's on the table. So financially, you're going to end up paying Julio Rodriguez a lot less because you're not going to have to give him that second massive deal. My third point here, and I've, I feel like I've talked, I'm sorry if I've talked like eight minutes on this, but I think this is a really good point here. That's marketability. You were starting up these franchises in this league. The perfect case study here is this title. Would you rather J-Rod or Corbin Franklin? Corbin Franklin, a made-up name, that we just came up with on our way in here because he doesn't have any nicknames. Meanwhile, we've got a a group of uh, nicknames here for Julio Rodriguez, J-Rod Acuna. I'm not really sure why that's in there. Or Julio with all these O's. Now, I don't think necessarily those are big ones, but he also has had a huge branding stint as basically being this um, Aquaman-type situation. He, no. no, he is the greatest marketability ever because everyone in Seattle wants to hold on to what they used to have. It's like, oh, my God, this guy's the next Ken Griffey Jr., like out there in center field. Seriously, you talk to Mariners fans, this guy is their favorite player that's been around. They didn't care about when Robinson Cano signed with them for big money. They care about this kid. They care about J-Rod. And so if I'm take if I'm plucking him out of Seattle versus plucking Corbin Carroll out of Arizona, I've got a mar- prepackaged marketed superstar that's going to be able to make me money with on his presence alone. Corbin Carroll, I have to build that from scratch if I can build it. So all, all around it just feels better to me to be running with Julio Rodriguez than Corbin Carroll. I rest my case. That was a good debate, LJ. I think we both, you know, look, obviously, if it came down to a GM to pick one or the other, it is an incredibly difficult decision because, like LJ said, what sample size, even for Julio, do we really even have a massive sample size to go off of here? So it's... Well, actually, I've got a better question for you or follow-up, not better necessarily, you have the first pick. Where are you going? Oh, 
probably still Otani, right? Trying to win a title this year or trying to win a title. I, you know, you could get creative and you You're go with the franchise, though. Let's you keep go with, uh, I mean, well, I'm gonna assume you would take Wander number one. I was Rutschman. I was flip-flopping between Wander and Acuna, actually. Oh, Acuna. Okay, yeah. I see I see Acuna still within the prime area where I could take him. But what actually ended up taking me away from the Acuna, you see, there was two things I was balancing in this conversation. One was which position will he be will be able to play longer in? Shortstop is a much more physically demanding position than right field. That's why all these stars get stuck out there. So I was leaning that way. But then when I thought about and considered a guy with a, already with an ACL injury, whereas Wonder Franco's so far, yes, he has had a couple injuries, but they've all been fluky things. And none of them have been stuff that's going to significantly impact him long-term. So I don't feel, I feel more comfortable with Wonder's injury history affecting not affecting him than I do with Acuna as with Adley Rushman once again it comes down to years yeah you're not going to be able to have Adley Rushman behind the plate for the next 20 years like his body's not going to be able to keep that up none of these guys can especially if you're trying to have him still be an offensive presence and a defensive presence none of these guys are two-way players and stand at the test of time with their body behind the plate so that's my issue with him. Probably is the most talented young player in the league. I mean, again, to walk in and easily, in my mind, be a top top two catcher in the league is so impressive. But will he be able to stand the same amount of time as these other guys? That's where I question. And LJ, I know that this is off topic, but you everything's could, off topic. No, you no, let's seriously make the argument this year that those traditional top two catchers that was pretty consensus by everybody heading into the year, that being JT Real Muto of the Phillies and Will Smith of the Dodgers, you could make the argument that those two have been replaced and aren't even top, both of them aren't even top two anymore with what Sean Murphy and Adley Rutschman have been doing because Sean Murphy has been on a tear, LJ. Yes. And in terms of like the catcher position hitting, Sean Murphy has completely revitalized whatever it was supposed to be because you're talking almost a 600 slugging percentage from a catcher. And JT Real Muto has been really good as well. Like he really has. But it's, you know, I just these Braves, LJ, and we'll we'll certainly catch up to them uh, you know uh, on I, another show. But it's you know I love my Braves. It, uh, oh, uh, it's they're really good. But LJ, we're gonna have to have this talk because I think there's a lot of uh, yes interest to that. But let's keep on moving here. Now up to bat, bat. Now up to bat. Who's more likely to weather the storm, Tampa or Texas? Who makes it farther into the year? who ends up still being this leading contender at the end of the year? Another really tough question. Uh, we have Texas right now with a pretty commanding five-game lead 
over not the Astros, but the LA Angels, who are eight games above 500 right now. Um, before I even answer this question, LJ, I, I, I need your 20 seconds on the Angels. Just what are we thinking? Um, I'm just waiting for it to fall apart. I really am. Because I feel like, I don't know. Here's my situation. I don't think they can do enough to keep Otani at this point. Like, they would have needed to be a clear contender this year. Are you really ready to call them a contender? No. I asked that question to you. Yeah, this isn't 20 seconds, I know. But either way, I'm not ready to call them a contender. And so he's certainly not going to stay around with a team that can't at their best. This is the peak. This is the best we've seen an Angels team. And I got to, you know, I'm acknowledging and respecting that. But I have a feeling there's got to be some shaky hands in that front office with how well they're doing because they're like, okay, we could ride this out and try to talk him into staying. But if the, if the slightest breeze blows the wrong direction for them, I have a feeling this whole thing crumbles from the top because everyone up top is going to get twitchy and it's going to go, you know, top, top down. Everything's going to fall apart if they hit a rough patch here, just because we're getting so close to the point where they have to make a decision and they haven't yet. And it doesn't look like, you know, I don't think the definitive, though we're definitely keeping him and we're going to win a world series doesn't feel like it's on the table right now. So you're going to always be leaning towards sell. You're just looking for the motivation. If any motivation comes, that group falls apart. I still haven't given up on Houston. LJ, our guy, Joe Adele for the angels rocking a 952 OPS in triple a this year. We'll go down in the quadruple a hall of fame for just insane triple a players terrible major league player one of the best strikeout hitters in in triple a history Shohei Otani I mean leads the league in home runs leads the league in OPS leads the league in batting average against as a pitcher uh, I don't have anything else to say other than that back to the question though who is more likely to weather the storm I will take Tampa uh, mostly because I want to hear LJ talk about the Rangers. You guys hear us bore you to death with AL East content for a lot. Not bore you to death, but it's certainly an AL East-centric show, which, given our fandoms, is pretty understandable. Oh, no, look, Tampa is just, they've, since the started, since the insane start they had, they haven't really slowed down. Uh, the starting pitching staff is incredible. Uh, LJ was so, so spot on at the beginning of the year by saying that, like, this was that Zach Eflin, like, uh, I was not a believer. LJ saw the first two starts and was like, yeah, like, of course. Yeah. Like, why, why wouldn't Zach Eflin be good on the Rays? And I had to laugh because I was like, well, I just watched him like, you know, pitch in the playoffs a bunch of times and his own team that made the world series couldn't even trust him as a starter, but of course he's just insane with the race, 77 strikeouts to 13 walks. Like, yeah, of course. Um, 
Tyler Glass now is back. Uh, that's kind of scary. Uh, and of course, they have a lot of injuries to their rotation. Josh Fleming, Drew Rasmussen, Jeffrey Springs, all three hurt. And the rotation just keeps on chugging. Bullpen is honestly worse than most years. However, Pete Fairbanks, he's been their guy. He's been healthy as of late. Jason Adams been good. You don't want to just hear me list off names, though. You want some analysis. I mean, the offense. Look, analyze, Brandon. You 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 bring in guys like Luke Rayleigh, and you get so much production out of him so far this year. Twelve home runs, five eighty five slugging percentage. Randy Arozarena now with over. 300 plate appearances, so that's more than our guy, Luis Arias. Uh, uh, LJ, how's a 400 on base percentage over 300 plate appearances? I'd say that, you know, there's not a lot of regression headed Randy's way there. No. And it's just, look, top to bottom, the offense hits. They hit home runs. They steal bases. You want to go watch a fun offense. Obviously, don't watch a game in the trop because it'll bore you. Just the background being so gray. Stop. I'm sure being there in person, Leave it alone. Be, being there in person is a lot better. But go watch a Rays game when they're on the road and watch their offense just rake because it's fun. Watch their starting pitching. Watch Shane McClanahan, who, I mean, AL Cy Young favorite right now? Question mark. It's too early, but. He's definitely a front runner. Go watch them dominate. Look, it's the best team in baseball right now. Who knows how long this is going to last? We saw what happened with the Yankees last year when they were uh, on a much better pace than what Tampa is on right now. Just go watch them dominate. I've been doing it a few times a week when the Yankees aren't playing, going and watching Tampa. It, it's just fun to watch, man. They will weather the storm, LJ. And it's fitting you say that Tampa weathers the storm as they t- weather a lot of storms. You know who else weather a lot of storms? Texas. This Texas team, I think they're going to easily manage to weather the storm just because of how there's just a, a sheer level of confidence with this group that I didn't see coming about. And part of that comes to their terrific management situation here because how many times do we see teams just spend a bunch of money and it goes horribly, horribly wrong? They try to buy their way out of their problems and it never works, right? So many times. And you could argue that Texas just – when last year me and you were so confused why they were spending so much money, we just didn't know that this was what the plan was, was to bring in Bruce Bochy. Well, it was to bring in Bruce Bochy, but it was also to do a second round of spending. Like – Let's not act like the second round wasn't was any smaller than the first round. I mean, even looking at the bench, Robbie Grossman, a disgusting bat, bat, bench bat. Gross. Like, Gross. Like, it's been, uh, you know, bringing in Will Smith, Nate Eovaldi, mind you, you know, I think if we're talking about Shane McClanahan contenders right there, a guy who 100% should be in the conversation has been – outstanding all of these guys were there to bring out the best and what we didn't see and that was 
this terrific group of role players, and I feel bad calling them role players, but top to bottom, this lineup doesn't have all these crazy names, but it's so strong. It is so strong. You know, you look at Josh Young has been insane this year. Insane to start at third base. Has me a little bit uh, twitchy about Yoshida and his rookie of the year concept here. But either way, you know, that goes to my point. We've got guys like Mitch Garver, Jonah Heim, these guys who we've seen around and we knew they were like major league players, but didn't I never really thought them to be anything that special are looking that special when surrounded with these pieces they spent the money on. They brought in a compliment that made what they had there already better. They brought out the best in that group. They've got a less less competitive but still competitive division. I have both Texas and Tampa in my big division parlay, but I'm more confident in Texas. LJ, your division parlay, I took a quick peek at that. It's it's not looking great, right? I mean, it's looking solid right now for the most part. It's I'm, gonna, I'm you're, yeah, you're looking at five out of six, but the one that you're off on is is quite quite bad. Would you like to share? I've got the Braves coming out of the NL East. That, okay, W. Rays coming out of the AL East. W. Minnesota coming out of the AL Central, which we'll talk about in just a moment. Uh, okay. That's... Rangers coming out of the AL West. Okay. I've got the Dodgers coming out of the NL West. That yeah. one I'm also a little bit squeaking, but if they get yeah. healthy, you know, I guess I could stomach them for the money's sake. Spawn sweating a little bit as my cubbies. Your cubbies, yeah. The fourth <laughs> place cubbies. But fourth place, but only three and a half back. So things haven't I guess my issue is I need to stop listening to the media. The mainstream we media, are the is media just, okay. we yes, are the media. we're not the mainstream media. The mainstream media just peddles lies about how terrible this Cubs team is and just ignores the fact that they've got a top 10 starting rotation, a top half offense. You know, this bullpen is a hot mess, but I still have to feel confident in the way that this group has played. I still see a lot to love with this group. I'm still. You, mean you don't like game. Adbert Alzali and Mark Leiter Jr. closing games for you? That's not exciting as a fan. I mean, here's the thing: it also is Chicago, and so if they don't decide to sell, which is also a very Chicago thing to do, when would the Rickets ever? Oh, oh, you mean sell like sell the deadline? I was gonna say the Rickets sell the team. Come on, now that's never happening. If they don't. You know, if they don't end up just randomly arbitrarily deciding to sell off pieces this year, I have a feeling that they could will definitely still be hanging around this place. I don't think they could get any play any worse. That sounds like I'm that doesn't sound like a selling point for a team. I don't think they could play worse. But what I'm saying is at worst, they'd be three game three, three and a half games out, I feel like at the at the deadline. That's where I could see them at the worst case. So if they're there, what's stopping them from being significant players? Especially when you look at, from a prospect standpoint, not all of these guys are going to be able to make it into the team, but they've got, I believe they've got six or seven, they've got six or seven top 100 guys, right? And I'm not saying you got to like 
break the bank for somebody and you don't, maybe you don't even need to use a top 100 guy, but you can be aggressive in the reliever market this year. And that solves a ton of problems. Maybe bring in one bat and all of a sudden you're talking about a division winner here in the NL Central because it doesn't take much. And you could be, I could be winning quite a bit of money. I should also mention my cash outs like one, 2.5 times what I put in already. So, oh my God, LJ, you have to take that like now. LJ, the, the, uh, LJ, as I'm getting a call, uh, LJ, somebody's calling you to tell me to take the cash out offer of $25. I'll sit. Which central is worse? LJ? The, the, second, the, second they, the second they start selling, I'll sell. But until then, I hold. All right. Now up to bat. Brandon, which central is worse? The AL or the NL? Well, we just spent a little time on the NL. Uh, it, it's the American League. I mean, LJ. There is not a single team with a winning record right now. Your Cleveland Guardians, which the last two years I've had to listen to you go on and on about Terry Francona this, the Guardians this, all this, all this nonsense. And then I'm watching the other night. And Shane Bieber is. Might be a second hot, hot take on this show. But Shane Bieber's trade value is diminished, has diminished significantly this season. How so? What team right now in their right mind is going to pay ace frontline starter capital for him? I don't care. 350, 351, 69 yeah, it's, 25 it's, walks. It's a great on the surface level stat line. And I'll give you that. But LJ, does Shane Bieber, does your team getting Shane Bieber or any team for that matter move the needle that much? And I'm going to tell you why. His baseball savant page is all blue. There is no red on this page. His red is blue. If he was green, he would die. His red is from his walk percentile, which is in the 79th percentile. His fastball spin in the 73rd percentile. And his extension in the 80th percentile. After that, there's nothing above the 46th percentile. Not a single stat. Average exit velocity. 8th percentile. Expected batting average, 10th percentile. Strikeout percentage, 17th percentile. He has lost it. And I am fully, fully willing to be wrong here. And I like Shane Bieber. And what he's done for the Guardians the last few years has been really, really impressive. And he's carried that team, especially in the 2020 season. But look, I mean... I, at the beginning of the season, would have told you that either Shane Bieber or Corbin Burns would was going to be the big name that ends up getting dealt at the deadline. And now I, I, I just, 
sure, Shane Bieber might get traded, but uh, I I can't see any team giving up that top top prospect capital for this guy based on just how much he's been struggling as of late, and it sucks to see. But I can't, and obviously that's not the the biggest problem with the Guardians. The biggest problem with the Guardians is that they have no offense. Still one of the worst offenses in the league. Um, Jose Ramirez is doing his thing. Big shocker. Everyone else is not. Also, not a big shocker. Um, yeah, I'm just out on them. Two games back, I really don't care. Whatever team comes out of this division isn't going to win in the playoffs regardless. So they're going to have to play, you know, in the – it's just – LJ, I just I, – I can't with this AL Central. There's nothing – there's nothing that excites me right now. Minnesota not even excites me. How is not a single team above 500? How is this possible? And I get we have a balanced schedule and everything now, but I mean, this is this has gotten a little crazy. Well, that's also further proof why we shouldn't have a balanced schedule so every as every part of the country can have an entertaining season. No? Is that not a, is that not a fair take? Like I feel like it's you have more fun in baseball being able to watch the team that you support and the teams around you be hyper competitive within their bubble, getting to see those teams play each other, and more so feeling like you have a top dog, top dogs and bottom dogs, not just five bottom dogs. No, true. Very true. I, I guess I'm going to go with the NL to just highlight the situation here because I know everyone's falling in love with the Cincinnati Reds. October. The hunt for Reds October. (laughs) I want the hunt for Reds October to be here, especially seeing the recent change to their lineup. Brandon, have you seen their recent change to their lineup? I have, and it's. I'm assuming it is not Ellie De La Cruz. LG. No, that's not what I. That's not what's got me hyped up here. It's not Ellie De La Cruz, who may be the most exciting prospect in in a in a few years. It's not. It's Joey freaking Votto. First game since last August, right? Is that is that correct? Uh, he's played. Yeah. Uh, wait. Yeah. T- Tuesdays today. Yeah, yeah. he homered in his first game. Oh, what a guy! 6.66 batting average with a walk and a homer. King. This is a king right there that we're seeing play. He's back. And I, I like this group, but at the same time, it just feels too soon, man. Like, it's one year too soon. This is like Seattle this- or Baltimore last year. It's like. This is a very talented group. We knew this talent was coming. And it's nice to see this payoff before it really gets to fruition. And frankly, I think that offensively they're going to be they're such situated to be a lot more consistent than Seattle's clearly been with their group. But at the end of the day, you've got a terrible, terrible starting rotation. Like it's a bad situation. How are you going to get better? Is Hunter Green going out there and throwing more bat finders really going to make you that much better? Like, well, LJ, I mean, yes, terrible starting rotation. They have six starters on the IL. 
How many of them do you count as good? Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo. Answer the the conversation's over. The answer is Nick Lodolo, but that's really the only one I'm going (laughs) to truly give you. Yeah. But either way, my point being, this Cincinnati team, you know, they're very good, but they're not that good. Like, they're not as good as everybody's fawning over. This Brewers team, I'm just waiting for them to go and die already. If they were in any other division, I feel like we're talking about a team that would have sold like five years ago because this thing just isn't happening. No matter what you want to believe, this Brewers team is not happening. This Pirates team fading fast. I I can't help but think this Cubs team's still very much in play. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. What about my, bigger, my biggest point here on why this thing is so bad is the abomination that is the St. Louis Cardinals. If if this division is including a Cardinals team that's willing to sell, that just drags drags this whole division down because that's what this whole situation has been predicated on. I feel like the NL Central has been held up by the Cardinals being consistently at minimum decent for so long. That's how we avoid talking about it. But I guess that's my best take take at it. My best crack at it. And if the Cardinals are going to sell, who's even tradable here? I mean, who wants Jack Flaherty at this point? I mean, this is – throw that towel in. I mean – Never going to get back to what he once was, clearly. Um, you know, is a Dylan Carlson type on the move? I mean, the dude doesn't even have a 700 OPS this year. So, like, who who are you going for here? Is Nolan Gorman the guy? LJ, I feel like he's almost too much of the guy, and the Cardinals would just rather keep him. You're not dealing Jordan Walker. We already saw all the stupid stuff you did with him earlier in the year, sending him down after you let him be on the opening day roster. Who Who is tradable here, LJ? Who, who are they selling exactly? I mean, I think as much as it pains me, if you could get a bag for Nolan Gorman, which I don't think you can, it, it should be on the table. Tommy Edmond, I think, is the bell of the ball here. Yeah. Especially and- after good year last year right it's like i think you could get yeah i think you could get something for tommy edmund i think you need to be open to a situation with brendan donovan as, as long as he's playing decent too because here's a guy i believe he's he's upwards of 25 right 26 i think so 26, yes, yeah. 26. so you know i think when you're talking about a guy like that, yes, he's got a lot of service time, but he's also an older prospect. So you being able to, you know, move around with him, his flexibility, even his well, production is going to be he's what you're expecting. Pre-arb, LJ. Wow. He's two years pre-arb. He won't even hit arbitration until 2026. Yeah. Until 2026. So wow. you're basically getting the entire physical prime of this guy. If you trade for him, you're getting the entire – physical prime for this guy under team control. That's a nice asset. So, you know, I think there definitely are situations if I'm, yeah, if I'm St. Louis, I got this outfield like a fish. 
Tyler O'Neill gone. Uh, Tyler O'Neill, I think, is also an interesting guy too because somebody's going to want it. Yankees have been be in that talks. toxic girlfriend. Someone who's going to be that toxic girl who looks at just some absolute bad boy and says, I can fix him. I can fix him. Trust me. That is the Yankees. That is the Yankees right now as LJ. I mean, the outfield of Bowers, McKinney, Calhoun every day is not is not doing it for the Yankees. So maybe a Tyler O'Neill thrown in there could be could be nice, but yeah, I don't know, man. I just, I just don't know. And you know, Brendan Donovan's a good choice, like you said. Maybe it's the it's the bullpen guys finally, Gallegos or Hicks. You just kind of let them go and say, you know, or even Helsley. Like, I mean, LJ, when do you throw in the towel for the Cardinals for the whole season? Because you're only eight games back. We've seen crazier things. We really have. It's not that, it's not that crazy. At it's this not. point, with the teams in front of them, it's not that crazy. But that'll wrap things up here as we have already trended over an hour on this return episode. Um, it's Shocking. great to be back. And Brandon, see you soon. LJ, this was great. Thank you all for listening. That's right. We'll see you soon.